Holden, happy anniversary. It's been two years. It's felt like 10 and it's Valentine's Day. What a, you know, what a perfect time for this. Yeah, we can we can show our love for each other and the podcast on this special day. Yes, and we have a jam-packed episode for you. But first, Holden, the intro. Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Uthi. What's up, everybody? That's all I got. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of two movies because we skipped last week, uh, Malcolm and Marie and Judas and the Black Messiah. I had two weeks to think of something funny to say there and I blew it. You did not. <laughs> that one movie podcast. Tomp. First, we've got to do Tom's Jimmy. Oh, fine, I guess, if you're so insistent. We we have to. Tom's is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw being the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Man, Tom Brady went out and won his seventh ring, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't yeah, care. Yeah, I guess. Right. That was a really uh, boring game. Hopefully yeah. this podcast will not be as boring. It really didn't sell me on the Super Bowl because that was the first time I'd ever actually watched a game, a Super Bowl. Really? I think. Oh, yeah. yeah that I mean, was, I've been to that Super Bowl That was parties. one of the worst ones. Yeah. Did not sell me on the concept. Um, well, speaking of the Super Bowl, we got a trailer for a new M. Night Shyamalan movie, which I completely forgot was coming out this year. I might have given it an honorable mention on the anticipated movies if I had known it was coming out. Just because it's M. Night. Um, But yeah, we got a 30-second Super Bowl spot for his new movie called Old. What did you think, Jimmy? You know, hold on. I was kind of hoping for something new from M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) (laughs) I did did spend the two weeks... I did spend the two weeks thinking of that one, Olden. <laughs> it was kind of disappointing seeing uh, going online and searching up old trailer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, back at it from Glass. Not very good. Split. Nope. <laughs> pretty good, except for the that was almost our Night... first episode. Of, that was almost our first episode of the podcast. Glass? Yeah, that was like the week before we started. Boy. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this movie, I bet it's not very good. <laughs> uh, it kind of looks like uh, Lost mixed with, oh, what was the other movie I was thinking of? Uh, I can't think of it right now. WandaVision. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> That's my official analysis. Oh, uh, I did want to say, though, I love the part where the girl just says, Mom, I'm scared. <laughs> great writing. Great writing. Great a great insert for that 30-second trailer. Um, I mean, it's. I kind of looked up the concept, so it looks like this family goes to a beach where they suddenly just start aging rapidly. That's kind of cool, I guess. It sounds kind of like a Twilight Zone episode or something. 
I wonder what the twist is going to be. What do you think the twist is going to be, Jimmy? They were all old the entire time. <laughs> I see old people. I see old people. That's, it all takes place in a snow globe. That'd be pretty good. It's all it was all old, a dream. It was all made... They're all in a sandcastle <laughs> made by George Lucas. <laughs> they all uh, are in the, the, the unbreakable universe. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis surfs in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it looks intriguing, and it's. Pr- I, I, I agree with you. It doesn't look that good, uh, but I'll give it a brocaw just because it's M. Night Shyamalan, and <laughs> I'm kind of excited. It'll certainly, it'll certainly be entertaining enough, like all his yeah. movies are. So I guess For I'll sure. give it a brocaw. Hey, I mean, Split was such a great concept, and I think it's pretty solid. I don't mm-hmm. think it's as good as it could be. But it's a yeah. solid movie, so hey, he's got he's got a little bit left in the gas tank. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. I'll, uh, I'll go Bergeron here. Okay, uh, we also have some sad news um, uh, this week. Actually, this is from last week, but since we didn't do an episode, I uh, have to do this. Uh, Christopher Plummer died on um, January fifth at age ninety one. Uh, he's well known. Uh, he's like a Hollywood legend at this point. He's in, uh, been in a lot of things, but some of his more notable roles, uh, some of you may know him from, are Sound of Music, uh, Knives Out recently, uh, Twelve Monkeys, and he's the bad guy in Up, which I didn't realize. <laughs> oh, I did not realize that either. Yeah. Um, and also, when I was looking up stuff about him, I, he's he almost got an EGOT. He had an Emmy, an Oscar, and a Tony, but he just didn't have a Grammy. He was nominated for a Grammy. He just never won one. Wow. So, uh, yeah, he, kind of like a legend, actor. man. He's a legend. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and for being a plumber, he's a pretty good actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, give him a Tom Brokaw on that, on that very solid career that he put together for himself. Thomas, two thumbs up Brokaw. Yes. My so, surprisingly... Are in the direction that is up. Yes. Uh, So surprisingly, even though we have a bunch of news this week, I only have one release date thing. uh, And that is that that the Resident Evil movie is coming out September 3rd. Wow. uh, Not soon enough, huh? (laughs) (laughs) There's a Resident Evil movie coming out this year? Yeah. That's my reaction. I'll give it a bombadil. Yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron. All right, let's get on to okay. the good stuff, Holden. A lot of good stuff the, this week. The big meaty thing this week, Jimmy. Or I guess there's a few big meaty things this week. But this, the one that we're most excited for is the Last of Us series. Oh, yeah. We got official casting for this series for the lead roles of Joel and Ellie. Ellie has uh, been cast. Uh, it's going to be Bella Ramsey, who is most known as uh, Liana Mormont from Game of Thrones, the really badass little girl who's pretty cool in the last couple seasons. That who everybody was like, man, she's awesome. Like just absolute scene stealer when she's there, yeah. Lady Mormont. And she um, also her her final on screen appearance in the show is pretty great too. It I'll is pretty good. Say that. And then uh, cast cast as Joel is Pedro Pascal. <laughs> who saw that coming? Yeah, that is that's wild. Not I, never I, I was in a with million you. years would have thought that. 
yeah, we, we texted about this earlier in the week when it was announced and we both kind of had the same reaction. Both like both choices are kind of it's like weird. Like I wouldn't have picked them immediately, but I think they're kind of perfect, too. <laughs> yeah, like it was the casting choices I didn't realize I wanted. Yeah, like, especially Pedro Pascal. Like I never in a million years would have thought Pedro Pascal, Joel. And then as soon as it came out, I went. Yeah, no, I think he'd be a really good Joel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, like we, I, I mean, and Bella Ramsey, I mean, she's proven herself to be, like, uh, a very, like, strong young female in, in Game of Thrones. And if she carries that same kind of energy over to Last of Us, like, I think it would be great as Ellie. Yeah, so I'm really excited about it. I do like how Pedro Pascal is playing another character who is just escorting another <laughs> a, a <laughs> important character across some sort of landscape <laughs> so that's great uh i'll give both of these thomas two thumbs up brokaws i'm yeah I'm, me I'm too hyped. yeah this is great two thumbs up uh okay and then this one uh we won't get too much into like the, the politics of it but it is news uh so gina carano was just fired uh from mandalorian uh, yeah. She's not going to be uh, appearing in season three or any other Star Wars projects. Uh, and this uh, Disney and kind of their announcement cited her recent controversial tweets that she made. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I'm not surprised. Yeah. I guess from I don't remember if it was the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, one of those two kind of made it out like disney had been kind of sick of what she was saying on social media and kind of looking for mm-hmm. a a reason to get rid of her for I mean, her social I think media presence so her her most recent statement with like the the world war ii thing i think that's pretty inexcusable all around i think that's kind of what yeah. disney was like all right this can't be defended <laughs> you can't just I say just, that i i'm yeah i'm I just think it's very silly to do. I mean, no matter what your like beliefs are on it, I'm like, why? Did you, why would you say that on? on yeah, I. I just think you need to like. I just, I don't know. I I like all for free speech and stuff, but like mm. what? Like you have to know what you're saying. And, yeah, and, and like, I mean, dis Disney has an image that they want to uphold, or at least they think they uh, an image they think they have that they want to uphold, um, and so. Yeah, they're, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you think, if you think Disney should have done that or should not have done that, that's completely up to you. I think you just like, I, if you want to be a part of that, you need to realize that. And I don't know. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I'll let you decide because I don't know. It's, I can, I can see multiple sides to it. I, I, you know, but yeah. It's just kind of like, we'll collectively give it Bergeron's. (laughs) Yeah. I, so uh, I mean, I, I'll miss Cara Dune as a character. Thought she was a pretty cool character. That didn't she didn't really get her full, full. Uh, I don't know. She didn't get really fleshed out all that much. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I mean, I. For, I saw a video from like ESPN back during the fall of Gina Carano saying talking about how much Star Wars meant to her and being on the show. So, I mean, it's just a. It's a. a situation that i think could have been avoided and it's too bad it didn't so yeah that's all i will say i also did not realize 
I don't I don't know if you remember the first Deadpool movie at all, but she's in it. <laughs> she's in the first one? Yeah, she's like know. the I have not she, seen it since it came out in like twenty sixteen okay. or whatever. She's like the right hand woman of the main villain or whatever. I don't know. She's like Wait, the is, big is person. Is Deadpool five years old already? Yeah, must be. Yeah, because it came oh out my like gosh. Valentine's Day twenty sixteen. That wow, that is remarkable. How did that happen? <laughs> Whoa. Makes me feel old. Wow. Are we in the M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Olden, what do we got next? Uh, so next up, a couple things about the Snyder Cut. Uh, the oh, first thing, thank goodness. Yeah, very excited. We we missed by a day getting a new trailer to talk about. Thank so you'll be able goodness, to look forward Holden. to that for next week. <laughs> we did this um, just in time. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the Snyder Cut uh, it is officially confirmed it's going to be R-rated for violence and language. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? The other big thing, though, that we wanted to talk about is uh, Jared Leto's new Joker look. Uh, it, we had gotten kind of a teaser of it a couple weeks ago, I think, but it wasn't really enough to even mention on the podcast, I don't think. Um, but yeah, now we have a, a full-on couple images of him. He's no longer damaged. <laughs> he got rid of the forehead tattoo. Yeah. I mean, it's an improvement. Yeah. It 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 is it looks a lot better, but like, I mean, it's still Jared I I feel like he's not going to play it much different. Yeah. Jared Leto, Spanish or not Spanish, excuse me, French for the toe. He uh, almost, did you ever did you ever watch the bat like the show The Batman? Like the, the Batman. animated show? No, I don't think so. I was like mid 2000s. It was on like Cartoon Network and stuff, I think. He kind of looks like the Joker design in that because like that Joker design was all based around him kind of having like a straight jacket on and like kind of crazy hair. And that's kind of the vibe I was getting. But I'm not sure if that's necessarily what they were going for. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see in the movie. I, he's going to have a hard time impressing <laughs> me. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be compl- like play the Joker completely differently. In order yeah. to for me to to appreciate his ad- adaptation more, I I'm mean, okay I would I would love to see Jared Leto uh, kill it as the Joker, but uh, I'm, I'm okay with highly it. skeptical to say the least. I'm okay with it being uh, inconsistent with the Suicide Squad version because that version is terrible. So absolutely, <laughs> uh, I'll give it. I guess it's a Broca because like it's it's no worse than the other Joker. So Broca. I'll give it a Bergeron because right. why is he in the movie anyway? They better have a good reason, which I'm guessing they don't. Okay. So this one is a little bit interesting. So Spider-Man three, Tom Holland had some interviews, presumably for his new movie that's coming out soon, cherry or whatever. Uh, but anyway, so Tom Holland was asked about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and he claims that they're not appearing in this movie. Uh, this is the exact quote he said. He said, no, no, they will not be appearing in this film unless they have hidden the most massive piece of informa- massive piece of information from me, which I think is too big of a secret for them to keep from me. But as of yet, no, it'll be a continuation of the Spider-Man movies that we've been making. Um, but 100%, he could just be lying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of things going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, Tom Holland, notorious spoiler of movies. 
<laughs> Very easily, Disney could have been just like, no, <laughs> Tom, we're not telling you anything. They could have just hid it from him. <laughs> Number two, they told him, Tom, just lie. Hopefully they won't ask you any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Like, if he just blanket statement says no to any of the spoilers, like, I mean, it's easier than trying to talk your way out of something. <laughs> And number three, if this proves to be true, that is incredibly disappointing. Yeah. Am I? I mean, I'm still, I'm still a huge Spider-Man fan. He's still my favorite superhero behind Batman. But uh, mm-hmm. man, I want to see that multiverse movie, man. But well, but meanwhile, Willem Dafoe was recently spotted on set. <laughs> <sighs> Are you sure it wasn't so, you, Holden? Oh yeah, Ooh. I wish. <laughs> um. um so I mean I think it is going to be multiverse and I'm I mean if we we are getting like Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, I it seems silly that they wouldn't bring in those Spider-Men. Well maybe, you know, maybe he's like they're not in the movie but they voice dubbed the movie and there's like stand-ins for them and they just oh, voice over work cuz they're under the mask sure. or something, something sneaky oh, okay. like so that. He's technically oh, so he's not, not really lying, lying. <laughs> yeah, you know. One of those parts of the movies where I'm like, well, I actually said this and you should have looked into it a little bit more. I'm the bad guy. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, okay. Hold on. If you had to choose, you could either have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in the movie or you could have Willem Dafoe in the movie. Which would you Willem choose? Dafoe. And Alfred. I'll, I'll put Alfred Molina in there. But I thought, yeah, I would rather see yeah, Willem the Dafoe villains. Too. I the like villains. Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe are both very good in their respective Spider-Man movies. So the hot, the hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm gonna give that a. <laughs> I don't know, Bergeron. I guess I I I want to see uh, Willem Dafoe blow up Aunt May's kitchen again when she's saying <laughs> the Lord's prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so here's another uh, controversial Disney decision this week. Uh, so they this was within the last couple of days. They uh, shut down Blue Sky Studios. Um, Blue Sky oh, yeah. uh, was was one of the purchases from Fox when they bought out Fox. Uh, you may know them. They're an animation studio who created like Ice Age, uh, Rio. Uh, I think they did that Horton Here's the Who movie that was supposed to be pretty good. My favorite one they made though was the Peanuts movie that came out a few years ago. I, thought I never did see good. that. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, but apparently that's due to the poor performance of their most recent film, Spies in Disguise. <laughs> Ooh. Rip. That, yeah. Um but anyway, uh, the closure of this also did cancel an adaptation of a web comic called Nimona. I had never heard of the adaptation or the comic, but apparently it was in the works. Anyway, so, I mean, that's sad because, um, I mean, they, they had made some pretty popular work before and they were a pretty good animation studio. From Why couldn't I this have happened to Illumination? Yeah, <laughs> honestly. I like Despicable Me well enough. The first one. Yeah, the first so, one's uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's too bad. You hate to see when something closes down, people losing jobs. I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of it, so I'll give it a Bombadil, Holden. I will also give it a Bombadil. Uh, next up, a uh, couple notable casting developments for that new Borderlands movie. Previously, we had Kate Blanchett and we had Kevin Hart, but now we're also getting uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, she is cast as Dr. Tannis, 
who I 100% don't know who that is from Borderlands, and I did not look into it. So I assume my dad and my brother are, like, geeking out right now. But, yeah. Uh, and then the other one that I did actually like, though, is Jack Black has been cast as Claptrap, the main robot character. <laughs> Well, I'll leave it up to your expertise here, Holden. I like both of those actors, so I'll give it a Brokaw. I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Uh, this was kind of interesting. Uh, so the one of the many Sony Spider-Man universe movies that have been announced but <laughs> are like never made ever. Uh, one of them is the Craven the Hunter movie. And apparently just this week, Keanu Reeves was offered the lead role as Craven yeah. the Hunter. How do you feel about that, Holden? I don't really know that much about the character. I mean, I like Keanu Reeves, but I feel like maybe I don't think nice he really fits it. Else, yeah, I don't think he really fits it because like Craven the Hunter is this like I mean he's he's a hunter. He's very he's I don't I don't know how to describe exactly what he is. I guess he's kind of like I mean he's like a big game hunter, but like one that lives out in nature 24 seven and he's just like dirty and like very strong and agile. And I don't know, like he's also kind of a big guy and Keanu Reeves. Isn't. That was my impression. Yeah, I don't. And I mean, you know, I'm not one to be a stickler for casting, not looking exactly like the source material, but like, I don't know. He doesn't, Keanu Reeves doesn't give that vibe, but if he maybe he hasn't accepted maybe if they the do role, the, but if he does, what I was gonna say, maybe if they do the uh, bulked up Bill and Ted three version of Keanu Reeves, oh prison. that'd be great, <laughs> yeah, from the prison, that'd be perfect, yeah. perfect size. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron. I'll give it a Bergeron too. Uh, we okay, so. I also, when I was putting the notes together, I completely forgot that the Golden Globe nominations happened, which really, who cares? Um, but I did want to just mention a Hamilton, few... Hamilton, why are you... Why is uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda nominated for a Golden Globe? That's stupid. I'm sorry. It is kind of stupid. <laughs> it's a play. Um, they literally didn't even try to make it into a movie. It's just a play. They said it's not nom- able or eligible for the Oscars, though, so... Yeah, it's stupid. Sorry. Lady anyway, Lauren, so I just had a couple, <laughs> a couple notable nominations. Uh, so I thought it was really funny that Ten- Tenet was nominated for Best Soundtrack. <laughs> 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 what a mess. Um, I also thought this, I mentioned this one to you before, but Jared Leto is nominated as Best Supporting Actor for The Little Things. <laughs> He's the he's like the fourth best actor in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like you what there's like six nominations per category. You're saying you could not find any other person, any other performance this year that was better. You like, know, I maybe bet there's even Denzel I bet there's Washington a, in the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- and I think, you know, like there's probably actors in like Mank like they like nominating mank they could just pick another actor from that (laughs) seems pretty silly uh i did like that both borat and promising young woman both got a lot of nominations that was uh pleasing for me to see um and then i thought it was really stupid that emily in paris got nominated for best comedy series because that is the most unfunny boring thing i've seen in a while (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. Who cares? Who cares? That's my, Bergeron. That's my take. Uh, I'll just go Bombadil. Why not? Okay. <laughs> Jared enough. Leto should not have been nominated for anything for his performance in, in that. If anything, a Razzie. I mean, like, <laughs> if you would have told me, is he going to be nominated for an actual reward or a Razzie? I would say a Razzie. So. Yeah. Watch him also get nominated for a Razzie. That'd be pretty <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, then this was kind of cool. Uh, so Bong Joon-ho has completed his next script for his uh, next film. He uh, was working on it over quarantine. Uh, it's it's no one's really sure what it is as he had previously previously said he's working on two however we do have like bits for each of those two one is a korean language film uh the set in seoul uh combining horror and action elements and then nice. one is an english uh, and one is an english language film uh set partially in the u.s and partially in the uk and apparently chronicles a true 2016 event but didn't specify what so, Brexit I mean, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Was that 2016? 20, I don't know. Uh, the release of Deadpool. <laughs> uh, the first one sounds more interesting to me. Yeah, me too. I mean, I th- I'm I'm open to anything really. I guess I I yeah. I think I've still only seen two of his movies. Yeah, Snowpiercer and uh, Parasite. Parasite. Yeah, I want to watch more. I really, really want to watch Memories of Murder. I've heard that one's really good. That's like one of his early ones. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a Brokaw because he seems to be a pretty great director. Yeah. All right. Um, And then the only other thing I have is that the Sonic the Hedgehog sequel got an official title. It's called Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> <laughs> heads or tails. Heads or tails. Uh, the two has like side, two. But is, is Christopher Plummer in Snowpiercer? I don't think so. Are you thinking of Ed Harris? No. Isn't Christopher Plummer the old guy in, in Snowpiercer? No, that's John Hurt, isn't it? Oh, that's who I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. I was like, you talking about the dude at the front of the train? That's Ed Harris. You're Ed Harris. Boom. I wish. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of John Hurt. All right. Our, Did you say we're done here? Yeah, we're done here. Fine. Okay. Well, let's do Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yes. Malcolm and Marie. Um, All right, hold on. Let's fight for an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, we should just scream at each other this entire segment. That wouldn't get old at all. Um, Malcolm and Marie. uh, Synopsis. It's a a couple. They fight for an hour and 45 minutes, and the fight is between the two actors in the film, the only two actors in the film, who are Mm -hmm. John David Washington, who you might recognize from Black Klansman and Tenet. As well as yes. Zendaya, who is in the HBO series Euphoria, as well as the MCU Spider-Man films as MJ. 
and lots of Disney Channel original programs. And also Disney Channel original programs. The film <laughs> is in black and white, and it's very snazzy. Yes, uh, it is. It's on Netflix. Um, it was created um, basically to fill the void in Euphoria filming because it's directed and written and shot and edited, I think, all by the same team that does Euphoria, from what I understand. And, and Zendaya is also the star of Euphoria. Um, so they, they kind of realized, oh, we can't do a bigger production like Euphoria during the pandemic. So let's do this. Let's write and do this thing. And they did it just all cool. within a couple weeks or they shot it all within a couple weeks. And yeah. What do you think, Golden? Did you like this film? It's been a little divisive for people. Okay. So I watched it on Tuesday or Wednesday. It is Saturday that we're recording right now. And I have had a critical reevaluation of this film the longer it sat with me. And the more, and I, uh, I mentioned to you before I'm writing a review of it. And so I've been like getting all my, all my thoughts down and everything and kind of, uh, laying it all out. I don't like think re- I like, like a it. movie critic. You don't yeah. like this movie. All right. I don't think I do. I kind of did before it was before it was probably like a six out of 10 for me. I think it's, I don't, I won't give, I guess my score away right now. I think it's lower than that, but I don't fault people for liking it. I just have some personal qualms with it that I'll get. I want to know that I got to know these just so just go lay them out there for me. What, why don't you tell me what you think? No, I just want you to go right into it before I say what? <laughs> I just want to know what you have to say. Go for it. I have. Okay. What can I say out of spoiler though? Cause uh, I guess no, I mean, you just overall go. Thought, okay, fine. I liked this movie, but I don't like, I, I thought it was, I don't, it was one of those things where I, I look at the strengths of the movie and they just kind of heavily outweigh the things I don't like about it. I, I don't think uh, this okay. is a movie for, I, in fact, I would not recommend this movie to most people. Like most people yeah. I think would like, I haven't looked at like the Rotten Tomatoes audience score or something, but I'm sure it's not great um, because this movie is just kind of an acting powerhouse in my opinion. Yeah. And, and the cinematography is gorgeous. I, I think the acting is so good and the cinematography is really good that that outweighs any, any issues I have with like the actual kind of writing of the script and okay. overall that, pacing and, and structure and that sort of stuff. That's interesting. So I kind of have a similar opinion, but I guess maybe it just doesn't outweigh it for me. Cause I do agree. I think the acting is phenomenal, specifically Zendaya. Like this is probably the best Zendaya performance. I I mean, I guess I haven't seen too many, but I think her performance is just fantastic in this. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I guess for you, you probably are more of like a compartmentalized reviewer where it's like acting is so many like points in your head and like visual is so many points where I'm like, that's kind of like it for me, but I'll give you like, you know, four out of two for acting, you know, if it's really good <laughs> and then that outweighs that, you know, I, if I'm adding two and two and two and two kind of makes never up for the other shortcomings. I don't know if that's how I do it. Maybe. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, as you said, the cinematography is, I mean, it's, gorgeous the i think the black and white visual style is is interesting i don't think it's flawless i think it kind of doesn't have a point to be black and white um but i mean i think for the choice it it looks good 
Um, it I've I've seen comparisons online to it looking like uh well one review I saw said it's a Marriage Story if it was a Calvin Klein ad. <laughs> <laughs> I did think of a lot of parallels with Marriage Story in this. Yeah, if Which I, I if I did, I would say Marriage Story I liked it better. Oh yeah, I think Marriage Story I think is a, much a better, better film. I think I have a lot of qualms with the script, and I think a lot of it is just. <laughs> I'll get into it later. I think it's just based on who wrote it. Cause I did some digging into the writer, the writer director and was finding a lot of things that I was like, okay, this seems very like maybe he shouldn't have written it, but yeah, I don't know. Um, pacing. See, I'm at a point where I could, I could be, I could be convinced to not like this movie. Like, so that's okay. why I'm like, you can just go ahead. So, I think, well, yeah. I think I might be able to convince you then not to like this movie, but I, it's, it'll have to wait till spoilers. Cause that's where I have. We, how, about we, how about, how let's give our scores at the end of spoilers instead. Okay. Maybe? Oh instead yeah. Of, sure. Instead of before. Cause I, I, like I said, like I didn't do the digging. I just watched this movie last night and I haven't really thought deeply about it. Okay. And yeah. Uh, so not still in non spoilers. I think, the pacing is a little whack. I didn't, I saw, when I was kind of looking more online about it, I was seeing people complain that it felt really slow. I actually didn't think it was too long, surprisingly. I mean, I don't, I think it could have been paced a little bit better. One of my biggest arguments is how there's no like middle energy to any scene. It's either just really high energy or really low energy, and there's not really anything in between. I think that kind of like jolts you forward, like throughout the film, and that so that kind of is that kind of sucks. But I also, I don't know, maybe I just didn't feel the overall length as much as some other people did. I I personally thought that so the the movie's an hour and forty five minutes, a hundred and five minutes. I thought it was an eighty minute movie that was told over 105 minutes. So I thought it should have been an hour 20 personally. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think that you could have clipped it to that pretty easily. I think the script gets very wordy unnecessarily at times, particularly with John David Washington's character, where I think mm-hmm. a less is more approach would have been more effective. Yeah. And without getting into it too much, I like the performance by John David Washington, but I think the character is written to be so unlikable which I think is completely yeah. against the aim of the film. I think the movie is trying kind of like in marriage story where you can see both sides and you see where they're both kind of right and wrong and you kind of agree and disagree with both of them here. I'm entirely on Zendaya's side, especially in like the second half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I feel bad for her and once that's uh, I'll get into that specifically in spoilers, but yeah. Um, um the soundtrack I, I will say, is, oh go ahead go ahead gonna go go ahead with the soundtrack oh the soundtrack it's like it's pretty good it's jazzy um i don't think it's, it's necessarily stands out but during the quieter moments it kind of fills the void a little bit and uh provides some nice tunes uh it's nothing fantastic but nothing bad either i will say i thought that there's one particular acting moment with Zendaya that I thought was phenomenal. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow. I was like, that is 
some of the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, Personally, I, I, I thought I probably I thought it was like, so good. <laughs> yeah, no, she's phenomenal in this, and it really just makes me more excited to see her do more things. It makes me excited to see her in Dune later this year. Dune, yeah, that's right. I forgot she was in that, but I was like, that that is one of the best acted scenes I've ever seen in a movie. So I mean. It's hard for me to knock this movie that much when it's like got such a standout moment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if that it impacted you as much. Yeah, no, it, it was. I definitely love I we probably are thinking of the same thing scene. I definitely loved it. Um, I don't I guess also without spoilers, I think the movie treads a lot of the same ground <laughs> over yeah. and over again. It like. There, there are certain conversations that they have where it's just kind of like, yeah, we've kind of already talked about this and it doesn't really advance the the storyline of their argument too much. And it just it seems like they they are treading water, not moving forward. Yeah. So maybe we can maybe move on to who's this movie for? I think if you're like a cinephile, you like fancy cinematography you're really into great acting performances and you don't mind a movie where two people are just in constant conflict with each other then you could handle this movie yeah and and you might like it and you might not <laughs> it's still <this. laughs> but i think it might be a worthwhile watch um personally i thought that one moment with zendaya was worth the the price of admission which is just i guess netflix enough um, subscription <laughs> however if you are not that specific niche of people you don't stay steer clear steer clear mm-hmm. i don't i don't think you're gonna enjoy this movie unless you just yeah. absolutely love john david washington or zendaya sure. um, but that's that's what i would say i think that i'm i'm good i can move into spoilers if yeah, you have anything else to add spoilers here. as well yeah so we'll uh Unfortunately, we're going to wait to give our, our scores until after that. So just know that I, I vaguely I vaguely don't like it and Jimmy vaguely likes it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, again, if you don't feel it fit into that really tight niche, then I guess yeah, don't feel as bad about listening to the spoilers. Just just go on and listen to it. It's OK this time. You get a free pass. <laughs> All right, Holden, let's do spoilers. Okay, let me get into the beef I have with oh, Sam yeah. Levinson. All right. Okay, so first of all, Sam Levinson is a white guy. He is writing mm-hmm. a lot about race in Hollywood and how to de- and how people dealing with race in Hollywood. And he is coming. Not only is he white and presumably fairly well off, as he's you know a successful director. He's actually the son of a successful director, Barry. Uh, Levinson, who I think won an Oscar for Rain Man in the eighties. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, he's he's coming from like a well-off family, and I just don't think. I mean, I think there's a whole argument you can make about like who can write what in Hollywood and whatever. But I just don't. I think this specific story does not work coming from him. It comes. It it does. I don't feel like it's actually like seeing how it spends a lot of time having like you know race seeing how race affects how we view movies and stuff i just don't think it's explored to the the personal level that someone else who maybe actually experienced it would okay i guess my my devil's advocate to that was that literal whole argument is part of the film 
Yeah. I mean, and number two is this movie is, I mean, Zendaya and um, John David Washington obviously played big parts. They both have producing credits with it. The whole film is shot with them as actors. So, I mean, he's the director. I mean, how much of like, I guess, how much of this was just completely his vision or not part of a process and and how did other people influence him people of color so well and you know you could very well be right my other my other big point though is that this movie feels when it's not talking about race and when it's more talking about just other things it feels like sam levinson crying into a pillow Oh, I know. I was like, this. whoever wrote this script was going through some stuff, and it must have been very therapeutic for him. So he is upset at critics, very evidently. And I was looking into this a bit more. So he he has Malcolm focus on the L.A. Times, right? Which (laughs) I think was hilarious, which L.A. Times gave him one of the worst reviews for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking on Metacritic. Uh, but what I realized, so they liked it. They were spending a lot of time talking about this white female critic from the LA times that gave his previous movie a negative review. Guess who gave Sam Levinson's previous movie a negative review, a white female critic from the LA times. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like one of the most scathing, his previous movie uh, for context is a movie called assassination nation, which also is a movie that m- received a mixed to negative response from a lot of critics and also was a lot of people associated with political themes even though he didn't necessarily want political themes attached to it this is all part of this movie like <laughs> malcolm has his previous like has his movie that he doesn't want politics necessarily associated with and he's angry that just because he's black that's how it is Meanwhile, Sam Levinson had it associated with his movie, and he, it's, he's just a white guy, and he's just upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I. Whatever. I mean, like, it, but he's kind of like, that's the point of the movie is like, why is this a big. I don't know. I, I, I think don't know. it's just two different perspectives on the, the same thing, and I don't necessarily think one is right and the other is wrong i think they're they're just different so i don't think this is necessarily a a bad movie it does seem a little bit like i don't know self-indulgent or whatever yeah i don't know it's just for me it's negative just because it seems so ham-fisted and like it didn't like i don't know i I mean i do i do think there's something there though of like the over politicization of things by critics I do think I, yeah. I don't think that's completely unwarranted. So I don't think it's completely illegitimate for him to to be upset by that. But does it feel a little juvenile the way he goes about it in the film? Yes, I would say. So. Yeah, I just I think my core is that a lot of the arguments he makes, aside from what I what I've previously said, in addition to that, I think it's just so underdeveloped because he lots uh, malcolm who kind of is the mouthpiece for a lot of this well yeah but you're i guess you're assuming that he's completely the malcolm character where i would i'm coming from a point that i think it's an inner dialogue in his head of malcolm and and marie you know no well i what i'm saying is 
Malcolm is Malcolm is the one who voices his discontent with like the film industry a lot in this movie. Like it's not Marie. Marie talks about it a little bit, but it's mostly Malcolm. And so I just think like Malcolm, when he's having these arguments and when he's ranting, he goes on that really long rant towards the end of the second act of the movie. And he's just like he's saying a lot of the same things over and over just in different ways. He is not actually saying anything he's just kind of saying like obvious things i don't i like i it to me it just feels like sam levinson wrote his basic thoughts down and then he just started writing them down in different ways i don't that's yeah, what but it felt I, like then i me. think he played devil's advocate to her himself through the zendaya character marie a little Sorry. bit but like i she doesn't i don't think she does it enough for it to like be much of anything though because like she doesn't like I said, that whole ranting part, she doesn't really chime in much at all. She, but like she's like, but I, but it is like reflective of this is ridiculous. Like it, it's not like she, Marie views it as a ridiculous rant. So I think in of that self, in of itself, he legitimately feels this way maybe, but he realizes mm-hmm. that it's ridiculous and he's, yeah. he's almost, it's like a self deprecating thing. So I, I don't know. I don't, I, I see where you're coming from. I don't totally agree with it, but I, I do think you're, you're not like your points aren't invalid. So fair enough. I don't know. And, and I guess I, it would be, it'd be a lot easier to judge this movie if we actually knew Sam Levinson. Yeah. And how this movie, like had the actual production, if we were there, which is I, another thing, critics are not that there. And they just assume so many things about like th- the way movies are made and the intentions behind mm-hmm. movies that I do think yeah. like, I think that comes out. And I think that's a, a valid point that, that he does make that these critics just kind of assume they know all these things about these movies. And they're looking into things that do not exist. <laughs> Which I think I just, is funny, and I think the critics are a little like, oh my gosh, they're attacking me. Yeah, so. it boils down for me that I think the ideas explored in here with the critics and the race and how it relates to movies and stuff like that, I think those are really good topics that would be make for a really good movie if it was written better. <laughs> yeah. I just don't I mean, think it's I, like written well here. I'm not going to say this is like the best written script ever. Definitely. I, I think the acting takes saves this movie in a lot of ways yeah and it makes this movie way better than it would be and i also think the cinematography is is good as well and i think the cinema like you said there's not a point to the black and white i think that is the point the point is that there is no point and like and critics are gonna be like well what's the point of it and then (laughs) i don't know about that one (laughs) okay i mean you can you can say that (laughs) i i guess i just like I, I I have a propensity to not like people who think they're just super important or, mm-hmm. or just so I guess I I feel I, I maybe I feel a little bit uh, where Sam Levinson's coming from. Okay. So more than you do, maybe. Fair enough. Uh, um, I do want to talk about the, that, the, the knife scene with Zendaya because I thought that was insanely well acted i thought that yeah, part was that actually was really, really well written and it was like and meta was, acting yeah that got, that, that it reminded funny. me of the the without spoiling anything the landmine scene in, in the five bloods where things go zero to 60 very quickly and you're like <laughs> holy crap things are about to get real and then for her I, to just be like oh that was all a show 
Yeah. I was watching that with, or I was watching this with my roommate, and I I knew that she was acting because I was like, this if if she was actually going crazy here, this would be like, I I would hate this. This movie would get probably like, would go down a, a little peg because it's just like that's so abrupt and it just wouldn't have made sense. But my roommate was like actually convinced that maybe she was doing it. I think that goes to show just how good it was. Yeah, I I was like, oh my, wow. Things are things are getting real, but uh, yeah, and the, the ending was fine. No ambiguous it's, ending. Wow. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, I you know, talking about it, I see what you mean. Like maybe some of this that is done for no reason is done for that reason. But I also just don't, so I like, I honestly think a lot of it is just to take credits off. Which I, it it did some people, and I think some critics are like gave it credit for that. I I mean. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't think audiences really liked it either. Like I, I haven't seen particularly positive things. Like, well, it's not a very it. enjoyable movie. Yeah, Which I just makes, cause, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. But then, like to me, it's like, what's the point if no one like enjoys your art? Oh like, man, hold on, everything's got to have a point. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the I, point was catharsis, Holden, for him. He didn't make it for you. He made it for the, himself and the crew because they didn't have anything to, to do during the pandemic, and they wanted to have their jobs. Well, maybe that was the yourself, point. Sam Levinson. <laughs> Poor, I'm sorry Sam Levinson provided his crew and his actors with jobs amidst the pandemic, Holden. You're just <laughs> giving them crap. I, I'm just I'm having I, fun. Okay. We haven't, we do, haven't had a, It's fun to say, have this divide. I do want to say though, I do not, I do not hate Sam Levinson or anything. I had to also make this disclaimer or like say something about this kind of in my written review, just because I attacked him a bunch. I like, I mean, his talent is apparent. I haven't seen it, but it's apparently been proven in like Euphoria. He's written and directed, I think, all of that, and everyone seems to like that. So I, nothing against him, like, in that way. I just, I don't think he was the best choice for this. You're such an establishment critic, Holden. <laughs> Have fun writing for the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm like, good for you, man. Go enjoy that establishment. <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with the podcast. Stick with the Wild West. Um, I okay. So what I thought was really cheeky and and fun was it opened with the credits, and it's there's just so few of them. <laughs> yeah. I I'd like I, the whole uh, Lego movie bit. That was I pretty. That was good pretty too, funny. Yeah, I think Sam yeah. Levinson should make a Lego movie now. <laughs> and like how like it's about reconstruction and stuff and all that. I thought that was a good bit. <laughs> that was that was a pretty funny joke. Yeah, I liked that. Um, I talking a little bit more about how I just think like Malcolm is so unlikable. Like, like he. <laughs> So there's that really powerful moment at like in the third act where Zendaya's like, why didn't you cast me in this movie? Which I'm like, yeah, Malcolm, why didn't you cast her in this movie? <laughs> why didn't and then you Malcolm's just and then Malcolm's just like, you're just jealous of my art <laughs> like something like that. And I'm just like, dude, like, I don't know. It's just to me, I'm like, Zadea, why are you with this guy? He seems like an absolute dick who she mentions early on 
when they're like fighting maybe in the first act like oh like you just kind of you like helping like broken girls or something like that and i'm kind of like well maybe he just does because he just seems to like disregard her and not care about her and i don't i never once understood his perspective like really at all i understood it from and i think this might be one of those things that like we'd see the this one part of their relationship and then maybe in sam levinson's head there exists this alternate side where malcolm is more likable Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree that he's not very likable in this movie. Yeah. And By the way, I, like, I was I was thinking two things throughout the movie. Number one, just go to bed. Just go yeah. To bed. <laughs> I'm with Zendaya from the beginning. Just eat and go to bed. And then yeah, number two, why are you still dressed up in your suit? It took him like <laughs> an hour and a half to put sweatpants on. Ridiculous. Also. The way that John David Washington eats mac and cheese was really <laughs> it like triggered aggressive. a fight or fl- fight or flight response in me. <laughs> he's so like, aggressive. He's eating it really fast and he's like grunting the whole time. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like it's like animalistic. <laughs> All right, Olden. I'm gonna go eight point five out of ten. Yep. All right, you can no, drop your. Are you actually? Yeah, I thought I like I said. I think the acting and the cinematography were good. I think it actually had some valid points, although flawed script. Um, I I I enjoyed it, although I thought it was too long. I thought it was effective. It had one of the best, most well-acted scenes I've ever seen in any movie. So I think that's a very justifiable score, in my opinion. But I can also see why people don't enjoy this movie and don't like it. So go ahead and drop your 4 or 3 out of 10 or whatever you want to give this. Yeah, I'm going to give it a... Four, four and a half, uh, four. Let's go with the four. I guess I think the one. I think the one thing we can take from this. I think you valued the script of a film more than I do. Like I think I put more weight into like the actual production side of things. Than, yeah, that could. And be you it. put more weight into the actual script. And I, I don't think there's a better way or a worse way. I just think it's our two perspectives. That's why we're on this podcast together to bring you both perspectives. All right. Jeez, this is going to be a long episode. Let's do (laughs) Judas and the Black Messiah. Non-spoiler review. Okay, Judas and the Black Messiah. It's on HBO Max. It is a biopic about Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the Illinois uh, Black Panther Party. I don't know what years that was. Look it up for me, Jimmy. Late 60s. Whatever year the trial of Chicago 7 was. Oh, that's... This is like that. That's right. Oh, yeah, because they they keep mentioning, like, Martin Luther King being assassinated. Okay. Oh, Um, that was 1968, so I'm guessing this was 69... Regardless, late 60s, early 70s, vaguely in there. Um, but anyway, it's about uh, it, it follows William O'Neill, who is this kind of petty criminal who gets recruited uh, kind of forcefully by the FBI to um, become like an informant for them uh, within uh, like kind of a spy within the Black Panther Party, which they view as like a terrorist threat. And they want to get the dirt on Fred Hampton. And this is based on true events. 
I loved this movie, Jimmy. I think I, it's quite a good movie. Yeah, I think this is. I mean, it's hands down my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> that's like so far, but that's there's like no competition there. At least of twenty twenty. 2021 okay yeah i mean what the other movies i've seen are the little things and malcolm and marie so yeah this is the best one out of those three (laughs) um but no i think this movie is like incredible and i just like the whole movie the biggest praise i have for this movie is that it doesn't feel like a biopic at all it just feels like a narrative a very tight narrative and it feels it feels like outlandish and fictitious just showing how like weird and like crazy and sad the story can get but it's like real and i just i really really liked it what about you i thought it was yeah i thought it was excellent i do think it is the best movie that we've seen this year i i like i said it doesn't feel like a biopic when you're watching it and this i guess i mean i don't spoilers i but it's called Judas and the Black Messiah, like this impending betrayal, mm-hmm. and like just the 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 morality of these characters. I thought it was just very well depicted. Like I, it showed the it showed the complication the complicated nature of this. Like neither side was entirely good or entirely bad. It was mm-hmm. what oh I can't I've gotta get remind me of getting the spoiler. But there's just such a great little conversation that I think encapsulated a lot of this movie very well. Also, holy crap, Fred Hampton was only 21 when this happened? My goodness, that surprised me. I'm like, what have I done with my life? I'm 23 and a half almost. What's going I on think that, I I absolutely loved, I think, I don't, Daniel Kaluuya, however you say his name, I apologize. I, I loved his performance as Fred Hampton, but he does look too old <laughs> to be Fred Hampton. Well, I mean, they, showed the, they showed the footage of him at the end. I'm like, he does definitely look older than 21, but I mean, oh, okay. Daniel Kaluuya looks like that. he's like, I mean, yeah. But Daniel Kaluuya definitely does not look 21. Uh, no. Lakeith I, Stanfield, excellent as, as oh, William O'Neill. Jesse Plemons. He's becoming one of my favorite actors, I think. Everything oh, I yeah. see Lakeith Stanfield in, I just love him what what else is he in other than this and sorry to bother you what um he was in it? selma he was in he's in the tv show atlanta he's very yeah, good that's that. maybe what i'm thinking of um there was something else obvious he, <laughs> here just a second i'm gonna look it up keep talking but i mean this definitely uh, uh dominique fishback i think the is the kind of the lead actress in it she does an exceptional job as well i had never oh, seen yeah. anything um i didn't recognize oh he's in he's in knives out <laughs> knives out i was like there's uh, there's something else recently that i'd seen him in and uncut um, gems and uncut yes that was the one i was like he was in some other kind of cd underground movie that was the one i was thinking of so okay. good yeah he's excellent uh, yeah, a lot of great performances. Um, Pretty so, much yeah, this, everyone. I Jesse Plemons was good. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> Michael Sheen had like wild makeup on to be J. Edgar Hoover. Martin Sheen. Yeah. Yeah. It did not look like Martin Sheen at all. Um. Yeah. He. Uh. What was I gonna say? Uh, I. Th- I did think. Jesse Plemons' character was not as morally ambiguous as I thought. Like they kind of made him. 
they had some good lines for him in the in the beginning. You're like, oh, I can see where this guy's coming from. But then I felt less like that as the movie went on. Yeah. Well, and, um, and like I was I was wondering because I mean, there's kind of a turning point for him with a conversation he has with a certain character. And I was kind of hoping it would maybe still remain a little bit ambiguous after that. But I feel like it really didn't. Yeah. And that, that was a little disappointing for me. I, I lost a little bit interest in his character. I guess I lost a lot of interest in his character and how that was going to play out for the rest of the film. Just mm-hmm. I, I didn't relate to him or, or sympathize for him as much after that specific conversation. But yeah, I mean, just the dynamic between Daniel Kaluuya and like Stanfield's characters was was just fantastic and like you said like how this is a real story i think uh i mean i that in terms of the actual historical accuracy of the specifics of the narrative i cannot you know confirm that i I just don't know enough about it but just in terms of the whole setting i thought was just very very fairly portrayed the film was made with the blessing of the hampton family so i wonder if it is fairly accurate yeah, well, I mean, it it definitely portrays him in a in a positive light. Yeah, um, um I I wanted to know like f- the way that Hampton speaks is like really interesting. He like I he kind of like has a very mesmerizing way of talking, and I was like trying to like listen to figure out what it was. I figured he like he talks really fast, and he like slows and emphasizes like certain like key words in his speeches so like he'll like talk really fast get people hyped up that way and then he'll like slow so people can like digest the important words in his speech and i thought that was kind of cool yeah i mean it's kind of like the the emotional roller coaster you got to pull the right strings it's like you don't want the whole the whole symphony to be at fortissimo you got to choose your your points to be piano which but you know continue to have the same impact if not more uh, mm-hmm. impactful so yeah i agree um the the production design fantastic yeah. i thought the the soundtrack i don't it, there were a couple times i was like this is a little distracting for me personally but that's more of a, a nitpicky thing and more down oh. to subjective subjective taste so oh, i really like yeah i guess i really liked the soundtrack i felt like um it was it was very reminiscent like during certain times where like characters are having conversations and it's just kind of like a few drum beats occasionally in the background it kind of felt like beat poetry or something which like poetry is kind of a motif in this movie anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah i thought i really liked the soundtrack honestly yeah uh really i the performances stand out i will say i think i didn't did the I thought there was going to be a little bit more of an emotional resonance for me at the end that didn't quite land, and I'm not exactly sure why. If it was just my mood, or if it just mm-hmm. didn't quite it does hit it, for me. It does end kind of weird, but I I wonder how else they could have done it. And I, I'm kind like of more referring to, keep... to like the the climax of the film. Yeah, I guess just the way they did it. I think it was good. I just, for whatever reason, it didn't have the emotional impact that I thought it was going to. And maybe that's just them being historically accurate, you know? So I'm not going to necessarily hold it against them too much for that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, 
there's like there's a few i mean without spoiling it too much there are a few like action pieces in here like uh more than you might see in your standard biopic but it's uh i thought they were done pretty well for the most part yeah pretty exciting exhilarating yeah um the the movie really just comes down to daniel kaluuya like Heath Steinfeld and their performances and they both knocked it out of the park. So, mm-hmm. and the supporting yeah. cast was really good. So I think, and, yeah, that's about all I have to say about it. Non-spoiler. This wise is, here. this is a full length directorial debut too. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. What's this? Is it Shaka King? Shaka King, I think, which yeah. that's impressive. Like this feels like it could be made by just like a very accomplished Hollywood director. He so, evidently yeah. knew he evidently knew what he was doing. Yeah. But. Um produced by Ryan Coogler, I think. So Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Coogler. So he had yeah, help. I I just yeah, I mean it's just an exciting time to like have movies like this made and and mm-hmm. by by you know, people of color and and created and these stories that, you know, as white <laughs> white boys from the <laughs> Great Plains of South Dakota, a lot of this stuff is foreign information to us. No, it's um, like so it's, I, I, I've loved the influx in these kind of stories that we're getting like lately because I feel like I'm learning a lot. It's really informational, which I think is the intent, part of the intent. So, so yeah, and it's political. Well, then you like those. You like political it's, movies, this one is obviously. very obviously political. <laughs> <laughs> This one is um, not like I left th- up to to interpretation political. I think it is funny that we reviewed Malcolm and Marie and this movie in the same episode. It's like a little ironic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I'm I guess I'm ready to give my score yeah. and go into spoilers. Unless you have anything else you want to add. Holden. No, I just I just wanted to say like I was. I wasn't planning on really watching or I certainly wasn't planning on suggesting this to be reviewed. But then when like there, I was seeing all the reviews and like the positive response for it come out and then it was like, oh, it's going to be on HBO Max as part of their whole part of like simultaneous release thing. I was like, all right. All right. Pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm um, going I'm going nine out of ten. Very solid nine out of ten. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. Nine out of really, this is only a half star better than Malcolm and Marie for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Holden. What? <laughs> that's okay. That's okay, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, nine out of tens all around. So, On to uh, the spoilers. Let's do it. Okay, I want to talk about one of my favorite parts of this movie that I wonder if you like made note of too. It's uh when I think it's during like the first like Black Panther meeting kind of in that classroom that we see, and it's the introduction of Lakeith Stanfield into that that space because he like you yep. don't know he's in that room for the majority of the scene, and then uh, Daniel Kaluuya. I actually I went back and rewatched it just so then I could I knew what he said, but he said something about like what's our most powerful weapon? Is it our guns? Is it our rocket launchers? And then you just see Lakeith Stanfield like peek into frame and be like, they got rocket launchers. Rocket launchers. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. It was like a weird kind of funny moment, and it was just a, I 
didn't know he was in the scene and it was kind of a cool introduction yeah um one of the the smaller moments that i liked was i cannot remember the character's name the one one who got in the firefight with the police officers and died and just oh yeah yeah and um fred hampton daniel kalia talking with his mom and just like you know this is how he died but that's not who he was and they're just gonna portray him as who he was in this one moment mm-hmm. and like that's not who he is though and i'm just like thinking of all the like how he just categorize and characterize people on based on certain actions and it people are just so much more complicated than that yeah and and yeah and we have so much in common and it's just we get so like we just like to put people into like little boxes and this is how we think of them and that's our perspective and we don't really consider all this complexity and how uh how we're all so crazy Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, no i agree that was that was i actually (laughs) until you said that i had forgotten about the scene with the mom but that that is a very good scene that that was just a nice moment that stood out to me and i wanted to make sure i remembered to bring it up in spoilers Mm mm-hmm um, I think the moment that this movie really hooked me was when they go to meet the crowns mm-hmm. and I think in that moment it was, that was when I kind of had the realization like this is, this straight up feels like a gangster film. Like it's like, instead of like a traditional narrative, it feels like I, I, I guess I haven't seen the Godfather, but it feels like, it feels like something in that genre as opposed to just being a a traditional biopic and that scene in particular i thought like the tension between the two groups the the panthers and the crowns was was really palpable and yeah i I also enjoyed the scene where they went to the like the congregation of the you know neo-confederates yeah they're like hey you guys got screwed over by the government too and they won them over and they won them over. And then you like in the Puerto Ricans and like, I did not realize that there was a whole coalition. Yeah. So. That unity was like, it was such a refreshing thing to see. Cause we don't see it <laughs> like in, in our modern day, but like, it's so, it was so cool and so weird at the same time. I was just, cause when they went in there, I was like, Oh, not, something bad is going to happen. They're in with the Neo Confederates. Like this isn't going to end up well, but and I love the line of like, you know, I, like the Confederate flag, they're talking about it. And like, you know, I see like slavery in my, I don't see a flag hanging there. I see like my, what he, whatever he says, my grandfather or whatever, or great grandfather, <laughs> whatever he says. And Fred Hampton's like, hey, well, if, you know, the sharecroppers and the slaves work together, they could have killed the master the, mm-hmm. or the oppressive master, or they could have overthrown the oppressive master. I'm like, he's got a point the enemy of my enemies is my friend and they uh, yeah <laughs> that was cool to see you know and it's it makes you think of what could have been yeah what could have been for sure um, um that scene also introduces the uh motif of like fire which i i kind of liked i mean mo- uh, fire is like not an uncommon motif i guess in movies but that's the one where they that scene they introduced the whole thing about like Oh, if you're in, if you're like in a fire in a building, like your culture is not going to be like what you grew up on. Your culture is water and escape or whatever it is. He said exactly like, that's all you care about in that moment. Yeah. And then he like, I thought that was pretty cool. 
good speech. Uh, like all of Hampton's speeches in this are really good. And I don't know if they are like the exact speeches that he gave at these various places, but like they're all incredible. I was like getting riled up when I was listening to him. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you wanted to go out and kill all the police, Holden? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just the energy of the scenes where, like, it was really, I mean, it was driving me. I was like, wow, this is pretty great. Man. Yeah, uh, I thought it was just kind of a throwaway little line in there, but, like, when they were going through all the, the scrapbooks or, or the his just, like, little collection of newspaper clippings, and he was, like, talking about how his, how his mom was, like, babysat Emmett Till and I was like that is an interesting little history tidbit <laughs> small world yeah um but yeah just like it's incredible injustice going on at the time and just oof, just yeah, I and how it still remains relevant remarkably yeah I like how uh especially in like the first half of the movie when Fred Hampton is kind of like going around and like recruiting people, how later in the movie you see them and they're like part of his group. Like if he goes and just talks to someone on the streets, particularly there's one woman that he walks up to that I think is the most obvious one, but it happens a couple different times where he'll like go up to someone on the street and stop, start talking to him about what he's about, what his group is about and everything. And then like, you'll just see him and like they'll have a throwaway line and like the next scene or something. And they're like in his office I just yeah. think that's it shows subtly his the uh, the effect he has on people. J. Edgar Hoover, big racist. <laughs> yeah, major racist. I guess I don't. I I guess I've never known that much about J. Edgar Hoover. So I like I I think he's you know maybe idealized a little bit in our history a little bit. Unless look up just look up young wrong. J. Edgar Hoover and tell me he does not look like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> and then he just got ugly. All right, I'm going to do it right now. Keep talking. Young J. Edgar Hoover. Let me see if I... It, it, there's one where he's like sitting at his desk. He looks like not as good looking Robert Pattinson. You got to look at the one where he's sitting at his desk. He's like writing oh, something. He's looking over. I can kind of see that. You can Like the eyes or his shape. Yeah. Of his, just yeah, okay. that one picture. And then he just gets really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> He, okay you know what here the makeup on michael sheen reminded me of the makeup martin that sheen. at least we've seen martin sheen uh, oh yeah no, my, martin sheen uh the that makeup reminded me of like the makeup that they're doing on colin farrell's face in in the batman oh yeah for the penguin it just kind of it reminded me of that yeah that's pretty funny um yeah, Jesse Plemons' character. I really liked at the beginning how he's like, they're like the KKK, and like he's trying to make this argument, which you're like, eh, they're not, but like I can see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole like, what happens when your daughter brings home a black guy or whatever? And oh yeah, that was like, wow, good old I, fashioned, just explicit racism. Yeah, right. And then I. You know, that scene wasn't good for, I mean, Jesse Plemons' character, but also when, like, he blatantly lies about not having told anyone else Bill's name. Yeah. Like, I, because at one point, like, Bill comes over and is like, did you, like, tell any, does anyone else know my name or, like, know that I'm here? Uh, Jesse Plemons is like, no, no, you're good. And then, like, later on, J. Edgar Hoover name drops Bill O'Neill. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
Yeah. Despicable. I would have liked. I think I would have. I mean, maybe it was just a first view. Someone is just just revved a motorcycle in the background. So I don't know if people heard that. It was very loud for me. Um, (laughs) uh, I do. I think at least upon first viewing, I thought if there was a little bit more immediacy between him drawing the, the blueprint of Fred Hampton's apartment and then the actual assassination, it felt like there was a little bit of a time gap where it wasn't like, or it didn't, they made it a moment, but I don't know. I, the emotional weight of it, I guess maybe I didn't feel like, oh, this is like the ultimate time. Like I didn't know if he was going to betray him like again or like with the drink. I think mm-hmm. they could have maybe brought a little bit more of a focus to each of those moments. But I'm maybe that maybe I would change my mind on that with the second viewing. Yeah, I guess I didn't make note of that, but you're, you might be right. Yeah, for whatever reason, this movie, the ending didn't hit as much as I thought it was going to based on the rest of the viewing experience. And I have no idea the, why it could have just been my the, my mood. The ending is pretty similar to Black Klansman, except for in tone. Like, it's a completely different tone than Black Klansman's. But it's like it, it still ends with like all the footage, the old footage and everything. Black Klansman, the purpose of it is kind of to like get you angry about how how similar everything is to how it was back then and this one it's more of just kind of like sad i guess um but i i what worked for me for the ending was like the reveal of the real bill o'neill like when they started showing that footage that that hit yeah that not only was what he said like did that hit hard but like the fact that they had shown that like exact same shot but with lakeith in that role before I thought just the, that sudden change made it more powerful. And then the reveal that he had committed suicide. I was like, Ooh, yeah, you can just tell you could just see, you could hear the remorse and you could tell like he wanted to make up for what he did. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I, I don't know. I feel like he was a cog in a machine that of inevitability of assassination yeah a little bit you know like i don't know it may it it very well could have happened without his involvement like he facilitated it but i think there would have been a bill o'neill regardless he just happened to be the one yeah but i thought it i thought it was interesting how how soon they they doubted his loyalty (laughs) Like I, because I, I mean that's something kind of in these movies where there's like a spy or undercover person. You always have like the the moment where they're like, "Are you really who you say that you are?" But that happens within like the first forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then they try to keep building the tension, but they never truly. It never really catches up with him again. It just kind of haunts him. So yeah, I feel yeah. like they did kind of they they had the gun loaded and they fired it a little prematurely, maybe. And again, I maybe for, historically accurate. And I think for me, maybe it worked. I, I that worked for me because it kind of turned the focus from worrying about him being believed to, like viewing. I think the intention is kind of viewing like the FBI as kind of like, not necessarily the enemy, but you know, not great people in this movie. And I think it kind of turned the attention from that from that one conflict to a different one. I think that worked for me personally. All right. 
Well, hold on. Um, anything else you want to bring up before we, we yeah, wrap it up? I did mention it briefly in non-spoiler, but that sh- I, that shootout, I really liked that shootout in the middle at of the at the movie. headquarters. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that was. I think that was maybe right at the point where I was kind of like, all right, maybe I need a little bit something different right now in this movie. Or like a little something more exciting, and then it just hit that. I was like, "Oh, perfect! This is just what this point in the movie needed." <laughs> and it were I mean, it worked. It's not like it. It's not like it's um, out of nowhere or anything, or like it's unnecessary. But it like it definitely works within the context of the film. I do want to say uh, Dominique Fishback as Deborah Johnson, who was Hampton's girlfriend in the film. I think mm-hmm. she adds a really interesting perspective just like yeah like a pregnant person who is a firm believer in civil rights at a very dangerous time to be a part of the black panther organization and how how Mm -hmm. motherhood kind of impacts and and how it's not fair really that that hampton kind of gets to still be who he is but that she can't be who she is because she has to take into account that she has this other person developing insider and i think it's really cool that you know he kind of took us his father's he took the baton from his father and kind of picked up where his his dad left off in terms of fighting for social justice yeah which i thought was pretty cool i and you know i i had known that fred hampton had a son that was you know still alive but for some reason i forgot that fact while watching the movie so like the tension of whether or not she was gonna live was still pretty high for me for yeah the whole i was kind of convinced she was gonna die yeah um but yeah i think that's that's what i'm gonna say about this one uh, out of the two films i'm definitely most likely gonna rewatch this one over yeah malcolm and marie that's kind of a warm one and done sort of deal I, I definitely want to rewatch this and see what things I missed because I think there's a lot of a lot of things you can unpeel uh, with this movie. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to whatever Shaka or Shaka. I think I would imagine Shaka, but maybe I'm just butchering that. Yeah. Shaka King, definitely a name to watch out for. Looking forward yeah, to for what sure. he does next. All right, Holden, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? What am I doing, Jimmy? Uh, I don't know. What am I doing? What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about movies, I guess, huh? Yeah. Uh, that is that we've been doing it for two years now. You think <laughs> you'd catch on. Yeah, I think I'd know by now. Um... Okay, what did I watch? Pulling out my my phone. Uh, God. I actually, it's not, you would think with like two weeks I would have double the amount to talk about, but I don't think I do because I actually went a period without watching anything. Um, But I went home uh, last weekend, which is one of the reasons why we didn't record, just because that didn't line up with everything else. But um, when I was home, I watched 310 to Yuma, the remake mm-hmm. with uh, James Mangold directed it with Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. Christian Bale. I've seen that, yeah, but uh, I was like 11 years old, so I don't think I really understood it. Yeah, I, I, it was really very good. I thought <laughs> I thought it was funny how Christian Bale is like the most pathetic character in all of film in that movie. <laughs> like, 
feel so bad for him like throughout most of the runtime and like it, it just gets worse as the movie goes on and i'm just like and it's a good performance and russell crowe is fantastic but just christian it's so like kind of out of character for him <laughs> um so yeah good movie um i also watched the new mads mickelson movie another round have you heard of this one yeah though they like i drink something about drinking yeah it's kind of like a dark comedy it's sometimes really funny sometimes really not funny uh it's basically about this group it's a uh it's a danish movie danish language movie so i watched it with subtitles um it is uh basically about these four teachers who uh they they kind of hear i don't remember what philosopher it is but there's a philosopher who says everyone is born with a blood alcohol content of like 0.05 too low and that everyone works best when they just slightly like buzzed and slightly intoxicated and that's just like the best way to live and so they start they decide to kind of do like a slight experiment and uh uh, go about this and start doing this and start observing this um and it's pretty cool things escalate and it's like i said mads mickelson uh, is fantastic as he always is i was kind of cool to hear him in his native language because i've never seen a danish film with him in it i don't think i've seen a danish film before period <laughs> probably um but yeah no i was very good i recommend it i i rented it on amazon because it was like it was one of the brand new releases on there or something and so i was with my roommates and we split it so it was only like a couple dollars a person i think it was like a six dollar rental but if you ever get the opportunity i recommend it um february 2nd february 2nd happened so i watched groundhog day um hadn't seen it i still haven't seen it Uh, yeah i haven't seen seen clips of it i (laughs) It was really off-putting for me because the not obviously not either of the two leads, but like the third, like the main side character, I guess, is played by Roland Shit from Shit's Creek, <laughs> and no. I've never seen him in I've never seen him in anything else besides from those <laughs> two things, and it was just like very weird. Um, hmm. but it, I thought it was amazing. I mean, I think it's a modern classic for a reason. I don't lo- I don't really love a lot of old Bill Murray comedies. I think this and Ghostbusters are probably the, probably the exceptions. I really don't think Caddyshack is funny. I really don't like Stripes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, do you I think, think Caddyshack whole, is I, I Do you think I've Caddyshack only, is funny? I haven't seen the whole thing and I I haven't seen clips of it in a long time, but I hot take i do not think 80s humor is very funny at all like i I just like animal house i do not think it's funny yeah that's another one too i think uh, it's all like dad humor now (laughs) or just like offensive for the sake of being offensive yeah speaking of offensive or weird for being offensive and weird uh watched american pie (laughs) oh yeah i'm just gonna not watch that one i think yeah you don't need to I I watched it because Mariah wanted to watch it, and I think it was leaving HBO Max, and it was, it surprisingly had a little bit of an impress. It had some heart at the end of the movie that I was not expecting, based on like the what I had heard. But most of it is just like gross and stupid, and not worth and your paper time. bag f- floating through the wind. Right? What? 
Wait, what? No, I'm thinking of a different. I'm thinking of American Beauty. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> American Pie is like the sex comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna skip that one too. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think it's a plastic bag. Anyway, an American Beauty. Haven't seen it. Can't say. Don't. Don't uh, need to. I don't think. No, probably not. Um. As far as TV shows, I've yeah just been watching Twin Peaks and Teen Titans still, like I had been. Uh, games. I brought my Xbox 360 from home. I'm replaying Bioshock because I had a real hankering to replay Bioshock, so that's pretty fun. Digging it. Um. Oh, I the other movie I watched. Um, what was it called? Blue Ruin. <laughs> Blue. <laughs> it's a, movie well, that's a good Blue impression. Ruin. No, yeah, it, no, it was it was good. I just couldn't remember the title. Um, have you have you heard of Green Room? Yes. Okay, it's the same director as that, and it's it's a pretty good thriller movie. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's like an eight out of ten. Just look it up <laughs> if you want to know more. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's it for me though. All right, Olden. For number one, I, I think I haven't mentioned it. I think this was between our last two episodes, but finished Chernobyl. Excellent. Nice. Uh, very good. Uh, very well acted. Great, great finale. A lot of good, you know, good climax, everything. Um, yeah, so that was really, really exceptional, worthy of all the Emmys it won. He just won all the Emmys, I think, so... Good on excited it. for the excited for the writer oh, to be yeah. attached to the uh, last the of creator. Us. Yeah, Craig Mazin. Excited. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, knock it out of the park. Let's go two for two, Craig. Um, <laughs> I finished and platinumed him, Ghost of Tsushima. Wow. Finished that up yesterday morning. Um, Was it a hard so, platinum trophy? No, it's it's one of the most doable. It's about I would, it's a Horizon level, Horizon Zero oh, Dawn, okay. same level as that. Um, doesn't feel as grindy though, because the side content's actually good. Um, wow! Oof. Some of the some of the rise in side content's good, but some of it is not. Whereas I would argue that pretty much all of Ghost of Tsushima's side content is good. Um, my da- my dad started playing Ghost of Tsushima. It's so. I'm gonna miss the combat, man. It's so the combat is so tight. It's ah man. I just like I I did a little bit of the legends mode they came out with, which is fun. But you're basically just nerfed Jin Sakai, the the main character. So I'm like, eh, uh, we'll see. Okay. Um, and it has new game plus, but it's just you know it's hard. To, how do you do a new game plus when the game's like 50 hours long? So I mean, yeah. I could just <laughs> go through the main story, but a lot of the stories in the side store side content. It's also one of those I would highly recommend like doing all the side stuff as you're going through the game and like before I like it kind of is in three different stages I would do I did all the side content in each stage before I kind of went on to the next part of it and I, I would recommend oh, okay. that I think it it fits the narrative the best as you're slowly like liberating this island Um, so excellent my favorite open world game of all time I'm gonna miss it Um, we'll have to review it when you play it Holden uh, then I, uh, just was like looking for something to watch. 
uh, on the elliptical the last few days. And I'm like, well, I've heard good things about this, so I might as well just watch it. So I'm all caught up on WandaVision, Holden. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I'll have to review that uh, when they, they, they finish it up. What'd you think? It's, uh, I like it. I mean, <laughs> leave it to Marvel to take two characters I don't care about, make a show about <laughs> them, and then it's entertaining. So <laughs> I, 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 they just keep doing it. I, you know, I think the best thing about it is for a genre that's been so played out, this is something unique and something we really haven't seen before. So mm-hmm. I, d- I mean, I have, so I've not watched any of like the extra videos on YouTube or anything about it, but I know I've just seen like thumbnails like, did this just break the MCU? Personally, <laughs> I don't think so. I feel like this seems like it's a very well contained storyline. I kind of view it as a, uh, so far, I think it's kind of building up to be Wonder Woman 84, but better. <laughs> In terms of themes, oh yeah, that, I yeah, think that's the ending. I, was thinking. I think the ending is going to be very similar to Wonder Woman eighty four, but just better and, and more yeah. and well earned. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about that as it goes on. But yeah, I, I, I it's good. I, I I'm it's, glad I waited. I think if I just watched like the first two episodes when it came out, I don't think it would have hooked me. But if I, but since I could have just churned through, you know, like the first six. Um, I think clearly episode four it starts to pique my interest. Yeah, I and, think uh, four and four and five are the two best episodes so far. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. Even though I feel like I kind of know where it's going. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. They'll maybe they'll have a few more surprises up their sleeve, Olden. <laughs> I feel like I've done other things, but I can't think of them. So I'll just leave it at that. Sweet. Take us home, country. Okay, road. so, so next week, uh, I don't remember. Uh, oh, Is I just it's, next week we have something. I just saw like a trailer or something. I'm like, oh, that's what we're probably doing next week. Is it? Oh, is it Nomadland? Oh, is that come? Is that going to be available? It might be. That might be next week. I thought it was coming out this month. Definitely not what I was thinking of. It was something okay. that I ne- wasn't necessarily that. I don't remember. Tom and uh, Jerry. It was was it Tom and Jerry? I don't Tom and Jerry. I don't think Tom and Jerry is next week. And also, I we don't have to do Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I don't uh, it is Tom and that. Jerry. Oh no, Tom and Jerry. That's next two weeks. week. Two weeks, maybe. I think it was what I was thinking of though. Okay. Well, we don't have to do Tom and Jerry, but we can talk about that later. Um. Yeah, so if it's Nomad Lands, we'll do that. If not, we'll find something. <laughs> We've got some we got a few movies in the queue that we can do, so uh yeah. That'll be that. Um It says Nomad Land theaters and Hulu. You're going to have to pay for it on Hulu? I don't think so. Oh. Oh, that's why I was like, "Oh, I need to keep Hulu for an extra month." I was like, "Why am I still having Hulu? There's some reason." Oh. So, okay. Nomadland, yeah. Get into the good stuff. Let's plan on that for next week, and then we can do Tom and Jerry. <laughs> or no, Cherry is apparently coming to theaters, so I forget. Oh, cherry. is it coming to theaters? That's what, okay. it, that's what it says here on, on uh, well, is it coming okay. to our theater, though? Because you know, I don't saying. want to go. Well, it says, well, it's coming to Apple TV in March 12th, so, which is. When's it coming uh, to theaters, does it say? 
It says next or the same week as Tom and Jerry that Friday, February twenty sixth. Oh, okay. But let me see, it's Cinemark fourteen. That's okay. Where we while go you're sometimes. doing that, I'll I'll start going. Yeah, um, take us home. Yeah. So Facebook, you can follow us on Facebook, social medias. Um, I guess usually I do that part after I talk about our how you can recommend films. Um, you can do that by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, or you can send us an email at tauntpodcast at gmail.com, or you can donate to our Patreon and say, uh, which movie you would like us to review. We haven't done a lot of, we haven't done requests lately just cause we've had things we've wanted to talk about. I, th- I kind of went through the next few months, at least with how the film releases are looking right now and, uh, kind of put together a, a bit of a schedule, um, and it looks like we're going to have some gap weeks coming up. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be getting through those pretty soon. So we need more. Um, Minari is playing at our theater right now until Thursday. So, um, that's also <laughs> out this week, which looks really oh, yeah. good. I've heard, I've heard that's really good. good oh yeah. No, that's right. I saw Nomadland's playing at the state theater, I think. Oh, I think I saw that. I've never been to the State Theater, so maybe we should do that. That's, yeah, it's a cool place. Quentin Tarantino would like it. Unless maybe they, <laughs> should, they should have a digital projector, so maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, then that's the show then, right? I think that's everything. All right. Adios. Pantalones. Love you.